the ownership question. Please pray with me. Father God in heaven, thank you for these young people who want to share what you have given them, who want to share who lives inside their hearts, who want to share the passion of their lives with people who are going to Christless graves. We thank you for the many children, young people who are here. Bless them, direct them, we pray. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. The ownership question. Now, the ownership question is probably the most important question that you'll ever answer. Before you can determine what you're going to share, you have to make some basic fundamental decisions. And primary in those decisions is who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Well, you say, well, I belong to my family and to my parents. They've raised me. They've sent me to school. They fed me. They've clothed me. But more fundamental than that, which is a result of natural biology, who do you decide to give yourself to? Who have you decided to build your world around? Who have you decided is the focus and the centrum of your being from which everything else flows today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your lives? Who is it that impels you to move forward? What values do you hold dear? The values that you decide today that will continue to shape your life now, tomorrow, next year, in your 20s, in your 30s, we even become a gray-haired man like me. What, what enduring values have we embraced? And first among that, to me, is the question, who do you belong to? You see, before you can tell people who you are, you must understand whose you are. Because who, whom you belong to, shapes who you are. Not only with your friends or during Gold Rush while you're knocking on doors and giving testimonies, but when you're by yourself, who really are you? Other fundamental questions are determined by deciding who you belong to. Why are you here? Where are you going? How will you get there? Now, there are several people in the Bible who answer this question in dramatic ways. Some do it through devotional, some do it through incidents, some do it through a, a revelation in a dream. But I was led to the very familiar Psalm 23. I'm reading it from the New King James Version. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Bang, number one, who is your shepherd? Who guides you? Who protects you? Who provides for you? David came to this studied experience out of his life as a shepherd. It dawned on him one day as he was leading his sheep and he was providing for them pasture and leading them beside still waters that as he was to those sheep, God was to him. And he made the declaration. He declared it to himself, to the stars. He declared it to the sheep. He declared it to the angels who were silently watching him. He declared it to the beasts who were around there to devour his sheep. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. 
and automatically he recognizes God as his protector, his guide, his provider, his being. He recognizes God as his owner. The Lord owned David's heart. Does he own ours? He owned David's heart. And because the Lord owned his heart, David was confident. Well, he was confident because he knew that God was the creator. He knew that he was not the happenstance of evolution. He knew that he was designed in the image of God and that in his lungs, the breath of God resided. He knew that he had been given a purpose. Thank you for the water. He knew that he had been given a mission. He knew who he was because he first acknowledged God as his creator. But he also recognized in the promise of the coming redeemer that God was his redeemer, his savior, one who would come and pay the price for mankind's sins. And he looked down through hope and through anticipation and through looking at the words of the prophets that one day one would come and stretch out his arms on the cross of Calvary and that he would die for all the sins of mankind. And Jesus lived in his heart even before he was born and David embraced him as his shepherd. You see, sheep are, well, sheep are dumb. And maybe that's why the Bible writers uses them to describe us. I read that sheep are, are really cruel. That, uh, this is going to sound a little indelicate, you've heard worse, but, but oftentimes when sheep are feeding and, and they don't want to share their provender or their feed with other sheep, they will actually defecate in the in the food to keep the other sheep from having it. Try to forget that. And so sheep also don't have wisdom about what fountains to drink from. And sheep have to be led by still waters, particularly when their wool is full. If they were to fall into rapidly moving waters, they would quickly be rushed downstream and die because they can't swim. They, they don't have any claws or fangs or sharp teeth to fight beasts with. They are prey and we don't have any natural defenses against the devil. We need to be protected. And I am so glad that I have a shepherd who always protects me from the devil's attacks. No matter where he comes from, my shepherd is always there. David knew that his shepherd was there to lead him, to guide him. He knew that he would be led in paths of righteousness. Now, there are a lot of different paths in this world, and most of them, all of them are not righteous because they're all built on the same principle that Satan introduced into heaven when he was Lucifer, and that is the eye complex, selfishness, pride, self-centeredness. That is the one thing that all human beings exhibit sooner or later, stronger or slower, faster or slower. All of us are selfish because we have been tainted with the evil of the devil. Selfishness dwells in our hearts. Somebody should say amen because you know it's true. Selfishness dwells in our hearts. 
And the only thing that will uproot that selfishness is that we let the shepherd lead us in his paths of righteousness. And as the shepherd leads us in righteousness, he will lead us to a point of denying self and being crucified with Christ, dying to self that Christ might resurrect himself within us. Praise God. The only path to God is the righteousness that comes from God. You're not going to get there because you're going to go to La Sierra or PUC and, and get degrees and then go to medical school and, and, and get real smart about science. You're not going to get righteousness because you learn history so well that you can cite all the dates in the earth's history that are important, even prophetically. You're not going to become righteous even because you memorize a scripture a day and you can recite it. No, 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 no. You can only become righteous because God dwells in your hearts and then refocuses you on his path rather than your own path. And the only way that we can get righteous and stay righteous is to daily follow the leader. And the leader is not you. The leader is not me. The leader is not Larry Carter. The leader is Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, then he's working day after day to change us. Now, I'm an old guy. I praise the Lord that I'm going to get older. Amen. I'm looking forward to a long life with God. But I've been young and, and now I'm old and, and I have some children. My, my daughter is going to be 30 and my son is 27. He'll be 28. So I've seen a lot of stuff in life. And I can guarantee you that when you accept the fact that you belong to God and that he has first dibs on your life. We still use that dibs thing? Okay, you, know, you understand what that means. God's got first call on you because he created you, because he has provided a savior for you, and because like he told the prophet, I saw you in your mother's room before you were born, I knew you. Wow! Wow! He had your destiny all worked out your path for salvation before your parents conceived you. It was written in the palm of Christ. It was already designed before you drew your first breath. Jesus had a plan for your life. And what you're involved in is helping everybody around you that you give literature to, truth-filled literature to, to find out that same one basic fact, the one basic fact that God is our shepherd and he's provided for us. But you've got to know the shepherd's voice. Jesus said, other sheep have I which are not of this fold, them I must call. And he says that they will hear my voice and they will follow. You've, some of you have heard me tell this before. When my wife was expecting our first child, I, uh, in the late stages when her abdomen was misshapen, I would, uh, I, would, I would talk to the belly. And I would say, hello in there. This is daddy. We love you. We can't wait for you to come. Hurry up. And there would be movement, you know, you'd see the elbow or whatever it was moving. And, and I did that regularly. Sometimes I would put oil on my wife's belly, you know, and when you get married, when you get married, when you get married, you can look forward to that. Amen. And so several months later, 
in the delivery room, Pastor Neary. And uh, we had picked out names. We didn't want to know. We want to be surprised. And so we had a, a male name and a female name. And when the doctor pulled her out and the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck twice inside the womb, but she was perfectly fine. And she came out crying. I said, Jessica. And she stopped crying and turned her head towards the sound of my voice because she recognized my voice. Do we recognize the shepherd's voice? Have we listened to God's voice enough in the secret prayer chambers as we prayed and poured out our souls and our spirits, as we've talked to God and cried about our disappointments and our failures, when we see the, the sin element rising up in us and we are embarrassed by how we have acted and we go to God and we say, God, forgive me, please, and we cry out. Have you, you shed tears in the presence of God? Have you been able to hear his voice say, my son, my daughter, I love you? And I've forgiven you. Go and sin no more. Don't do it again. But your sin is already paid for. And I will help you not to do it again. Oh, the wonderful experience that we're called to with our Savior. God also tells us through David in his psalm here, he says, uh, he restores my soul. You know, this world is all about robbing you from who you are. Every device in this world under the control of Satan is designed to break you down. That's why we need to go back to God every day and several times during the day. The devil is using everything to break us down to pull us away from the rock Christ Jesus to get us confused about who we belong to we think we belong to ourselves we think we belong to the education society we think we belong to the dollar that's not as mighty as it used to be we think we belong to pleasure and all of this kind of stuff all the while the devil has in his intent to break us down mentally to break us down spiritually and then finally have us destroyed in the fires that Jesus said were not made for us but were made for the devil and his angels that's why we need to go again and again and again to have our souls restored to God by God even when you're doing good work I've been a minister all these years and even in the very process it's like it's like uh, gentlemen you know as you shade if you use a, a blade you know that the very act of using the blade dulls it or cutting your lawn. You know, you have to sharpen the lawn more up every now and then because those blades get dull just by cutting grass. It's amazing, but it happens. In the very process of being in the work of God, we can be drained and misaligned from God. Because remember, the main task, praise God for you, but the main task for those of you involved in literature evangelism is not selling books. The main task is finding souls. The main task is giving somebody an opportunity to have that divine appointment. The main task is locating somebody and be giving them something. The book cannot save them, but the information in the book can lead them to a saving relationship of God where they recognize that they are God's property and not their own. And so even in the process, we who are ministers, we who work for God in this organization, we have got to be careful 
because there are always tensions and people with opinions and some of them are not rooted in the word of God. It's okay to have an opinion, but somewhere in your opinion, there needs to be a focus on Christ. Somewhere, it shouldn't be all on you because you are wrong. It shouldn't be all on me because I'm wrong. I need to have God in me focusing, changing my opinions, and then I can speak safely. It's like in Sabbath school. People give their opinions. I say, fine, it's your opinion, but give me a text to confirm your opinion. Help me see some Bible in what you're saying. Take it back to God's word, not just I think and I believe and so on and so forth. And so we need to have our souls restored. The importance of the individual devotional life is unparalleled when it comes to soul restoration. Now, remember, you cannot restore your soul. You are a soul that needs restoration. I am a soul that needs restoration. And I've learned this, that my best moments are the moments when my mouth is closed, when I'm on my knees, trying to keep my mind still and focused on God. Ask him a question, then shut up and let him answer it. So oftentimes we try to answer our own questions. And then we lead ourselves astray. But we need to let God on our knees. And whatever he tells us, he will confirm by the next step, which is bringing our minds to his written word and challenging our minds. Because I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, the devil is active, misleading people in spiritual experiences. And the only objective truth that you have that you can judge your spiritual experience by is the word of God and the writings of Ellen White. Amen. And what God calls us to, let me share this quotation with you. Um, If I can navigate here on this device, let me find this quotation that I read. Uh, Give me a moment. It's fast, but I'm slow. And uh, here we go. There it is. Ah, fourth testimony, page 66. 4T66. It says this. The Lord requires us to be submissive to his will, subdued by his spirit, and sanctified to his service. SSS. Submissive. We don't like that word. Be submissive. But that's what God requires. Requires. We can't satisfy him without being submissive to his will. Even when in our educated minds, our, our, our fast thinking minds, we don't understand what it's all about that he's requiring us. We do it anyway. Just do it because God said so. He's in charge, not me. Subdued by his spirit, not subdued by organizational policies and procedures of which we have a lot in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I'm not speaking against, but we must be subdued by his spirit. It is a spirit of God coming upon us to subdue us, to calm us down, to keep us in line, to keep us on the path of righteousness and sanctified to his service. The second line says this selfishness must be put away. And we must overcome every defect in our characters as Christ overcame. I can't make it. I can't make it. It's too high. It's too hard. 
Jesus, oh, you can make it. Just give me charge. Give me control. And I will bring you into conformity with my Father's will. And it starts with being restored in that still small time with God, that private time with God. And, and I bet you, if you would be honest with me, you would admit this, that there are times when your day has been really messed up because you didn't spend any time with God in the morning. But there have been times when stuff came at you, you didn't know how or where it was coming from, but you handled it because you had spent time with God and it wasn't you handling it, but it was God in you that handled it. I got some stories I could tell you, but I've only got nine minutes left, so I, I need to finish my message. The last thing I want to tell you is this, that God told David, just as his sheep did not fear the wolves, the coyotes, they did not fear the bears because David was there to protect him. When you are with God, you are a bad brother, a bad sister. See, young people, you understand what I'm saying, you know. When God is with you and you flowing with God, you're not afraid of nobody or nothing. I remember one time uh, I had a, a church and, and, and it was about 85% mm, African-American. And then we had some Caucasian members and some Filipinos and whatnot. And there was a Caucasian brother who got in trouble, went to jail. And I went to visit him. And uh, one of the things he told me, his wife had not come to see him. And he wanted me to go visit his wife. And uh, I said, well, give me the address and I'll go. And when I got down in that neighborhood, it was a rough neighborhood. Now, I'm six foot two. I'm a big guy. I've been bigger than this in my younger years. But when I drove around that block, I got scared. I said, Lord, I gave my word. So I drove around the block and I prayed and I took my watch off and I took my wallet and put it under the seat before I finally found a place to park. Then I got out of the car with my strong man face on <clears throat> and my bad black man walk. I had my Bible now. I had my Bible in my arm, but I was, you know, don't mess with me. Yeah. Somebody said, hey, I said, and I got in the day. You know, I was doing all that out of fear. I forgot I was on God's mission. I forgot that I was going to do a good word to bring a word of cheer. I forgot that I was going to do something for a person in need and that God would protect me. And I didn't have to try to protect myself by camouflaging. And I got in the house and talked. We had a beautiful visit, beautiful visit. Took her through several scriptures. We talked about why she didn't want to uh, interact with her husband anymore. And, and went back to jail and I told him and all this, you know. And I, I got out of there. Nobody bothered me. Nobody said anything to me. You know, I got back in my car, drove away. My wallet and my watch were still there. Everything was cool. And, and I had forgotten momentarily that when we're going for God, make sure you're going for God. Not for yourself, not for your own glory, not for the dollars. You're going for God, that God is with you. When you're speaking, don't even worry about the words you're going to say next. If you've been with God, he is in your mind and he will lead your words to the right thing to say. He will lead you. And remember what Isaiah 41.10 says, fear thou not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Never be afraid. I went to sleep one time in, the, in, in, in a church. I had to 
some trouble in my church and can't tell you the whole story because I don't have time. But, but as, I was, as I was going to sleep, I was troubled about a decision I had made. And uh, I remember thinking, Lord, I should have just ignored this problem and just let it play out, which is not what God wanted me to do. So I went to bed that night and uh, man, I, my heart was troubled. I was so troubled. And I woke up, check this out, before I opened my eyes, before I opened my eyes, third time for emphasis, before I opened my eyes, I saw Isaiah 41.10. Opened my eyes, looked at the alarm clock, it said 4 a.m. I said, Isaiah 41.10, I've read that, but I can't remember what it says. Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah 41. So I got up at four o'clock, bright, alert, clear-minded, not groggy, not in a stupor or anything. And I went and got my Bible and I turned to Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Yea, I will strengthen thee. I will strengthen thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I went to PUC for a meeting and while I was away, a lady, she's now deceased. She was alive when she made the call. She called my house. Once you know I got my theology correct. And, and she called my house and, and she said to my wife, Audrey, she said, Audrey, I want to speak to my pastor. Where's my pastor? And uh, Audrey said, well, he's at a PUC at a preacher's meeting, pastor's meeting. Well, Sister Newsom said, I was up reading my Bible and praying at four o'clock. And I put my finger on Isaiah 41.10. And I said, Lord, wake my pastor up right now. Give him this text because he needs some encouragement. At 4 a.m. she did that at 4 a.m. It didn't take God a second to get that message to my mind. That's some angelic writing on the insides of my eyelids. Praise God. God lives. God hears prayers. God answers prayer. He's on your side. He will do that and more for you because you belong to him. You're God's possession. He protects his people. He Don't you protect your stuff? When you leave your car at the curb, don't you lock it? When you go to the gym, don't you put a padlock on the lock? Yeah, you want to make sure your stuff is safe in the wicked world. God wants to keep his people safe in the wicked world. He blesses you. He protects you. He per Forgive me for getting loud. I'm just getting excited. As you can see, I'm a black man. Some of us, not all of us, but some of us, when we get excited, we get a little loud. And I'm excited. I wish I had some more time. I'm down to three minutes and 22 seconds, but praise the Lord, we're going to stay on the time, time schedule. But God, once you know that you belong to God and you're in the flow with God, nothing that the devil brings should upset you, confound you, trip you up. And if you do get tripped up, you can get back up and run with Jesus because he's leading you all the way, leading you all the way. I want to close by telling you about a friend of mine, Doyle. Doyle, Doyle was a, a pathfinder. I met him when I was 16 and he was 10. Usually 16-year-olds don't hang out, hang out with 10-year-olds, but Doyle had a sister. Very, very, very pretty sister. She's still pretty today. And, uh, of course, she's not my wife, but uh, uh, we were at her house because Brenda was one of the pianists for our youth choir. And we had a meal at her house that day. And while the meal was being prepared, I, I saw Doyle go out the door and down the street. And I kind of watched him. He was going up and down the, the sidewalks leading to the house. And I, I inquired, and I found out that Doyle 
at 10 years old was passing out literature to the neighbors because he believed God wanted him to because Jesus gave him a desire to do something to reach somebody to make someone ready for the second coming of Jesus. Doyle died in a swimming accident. He drowned. But I believe that Doyle had already made up his mind who he belonged to, that he belonged to Jesus, that he belonged to God. And I believe and only God can put somebody in heaven. But I believe that Doyle, whose life was sealed at 11 or 12 years old, will be in the kingdom of heaven because he made up his mind who he belonged to. He answered the ownership question by saying, I belong to Jesus. And I believe that in this room, there are people who've already made that decision. You have made up your mind who you belong to. You belong to Jesus. And some of you have committed yourselves uh, to bringing a message to other people, people who don't know God, who don't know that they've been created by him and made in his image, who don't know that God has a way that he wants them to live, who don't know anything about the seventh day being a Sabbath, being the, the sacred sa Sabbath of God for, for them to worship God on. And you want to share. You want to share. You want to share what you know? You want to share who you know? You want to share what you have? You want to share who you belong to? And I want to close by praying for you that you would be a strong person sharing God with others. Father in heaven, thank you so much for an opportunity to answer the ownership question. Help us to realize that you are our shepherd, that you will lead us in paths of righteousness, that we must submit and surrender and, and, and give our heart to you and that you call us to do it individually in our private times with you. And you will reveal to the world that we belong to you. Lord, bless these young people during this weekend as they focus on you and your principles and how to be a more effective sharer of truth. May your spirit dwell with us mightily. May we be in charge with you that we may not be afraid of anything. And help us, O oh Lord, one day when Jesus comes to live eternally with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.